0: Today's episode is made possible with support from Platinum Bank. Your bank should be solving your problems, not creating them. Platinum Bank partners with Twin Cities executives to help them grow their business. Learn more online at PlatinumBankMN.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream.
1: It's great to win Rookie of the Year, but we want to win championships. And like, that's keeping everyone safe every day, and we aren't there yet because we're in 25 states. And when I get to those 25 states, it's going to be Canada. And when we get to Canada, it's going to be the U.K., until everyone can have that peace of mind. And when we do all of that, it's going to be outside of the vehicle. It's going to be the Breonna Taylors of the world that are having a warrant served on their house. It's going to be all of those other situations. It's it's really great to know that we had a good rookie season, but we have a really long career ahead of us, and, and we know that there's a lot more opportunity in the world ahead of us. <laughs>
0: From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas' Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, By all means. So much of building a successful business is not just the idea, but being the right person to execute at the right time. Our country was desperately seeking solutions in 2020 when years of tension, frustration, and helplessness boiled over after the murder of George Floyd at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer three black professionals on the rise in the Twin Cities were there to answer the call. Finance MBA Andre Crichton had several years of experience with major accounting firms and Cargill. Michael Freelix, who was also an MBA, worked in software and sales for Sony Electronics and others. Jazz Hampton was an attorney at a large Minneapolis firm. Andre and Michael grew up in St. Paul knowing the family of Philando Castile, and after he was killed by law enforcement in 2016, they wanted to do something. Well, when George Floyd died in 2020, they came up with an idea that could actually help to de escalate police interactions in real time. With Jazz as their CEO and legal expert, the three launched Turn Signal in 2021, a tech company on a mission to help drivers get home safe. The attention came quick national media speaking gigs, high profile startup incubators. How are they handling the limelight at a time when there's still so much work to do to build this business? That's what we're gonna talk about today. This is a first, this is a coup. Three founders in the studio at once. It's a good thing you guys like each other.
1: <laughs> it is, and we're happy to be here. Thank you for having
0: Thank us. Thank you for coming. I really, I wanted to do this, you guys, because um, I just feel like you're not getting enough attention.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to make sure
0: to get you guys out there <laughs> oh, a little bit.
1: Oh, we appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: What What is it? What has it been like? I I, I, wa- I want to go back to the early early days, but but just tell me. I mean, the kind of spotlight you've been under. Did you expect this? In a matter of just a couple of years? Uh,
1: I, I I don't know. I can speak for myself that I, I don't think we expected this. We hoped for it, but mm-hmm. expectations uh, weren't quite this high. Um, we knew that we were building something that meant something to ourselves and to a more immediate community. Um, but the, the great results that we've seen from folks around the Twin Cities and the state of Minnesota and beyond has been, uh, it's expe- exceeded
2: my expectations for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: We were, we were talking about this the other day. I think it was just Jazz and I, and we were talking about how when we first left this, like we knew that we would get the, the media opportunities. Yeah. We didn't know that we would get on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. And so just that transition, and, and honestly, it's just been a great opportunity for us to just showcase really the the important work that we're doing and and. I am just thankful that I get to work every day with Jazz and Dre. And I know you'll go into our backstories, but literally we were here in this city a few months back where I was the best man in Dre's wedding and Jazz was the officiant. And so Hmm. we're we're close.
0: Yeah. Congratulations on the wedding, by the way.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: It's such a testament to timing is everything, right? It It was the right thing at a time it was needed. And and that's why it resonated. Does that does that feel right? Does that I mean, that kind of gets at the story of why you did this.
1: Yeah. No, I think we it was the right time because everyone knew that we had to do something. After George Floyd lost his life miles from where we all live, uh, we were we were all asked to be on so many panels and so many discussion groups and boards and having conversations with friends and family. And ultimately what we said and I always say what I was feeling was. There was no one better positioned to build a solution than us three. I genuinely believe that no one in the world. Hmm. Um, Michael is working at Sony Electronics in their enterprise sales division, a a, a giant in the tech sales space. I have a computer science degree and I'm a lawyer and I teach law and I'm a practicing attorney. And Dre is our CFO with a finance background, uh, working in the the biggest and best places in finance. Mm -hmm. And we're three black men directly touched by this conversation. There was no one better in the world to, to start this platform.
0: Absolutely. How far back do you all go? When when did you meet each other?
3: Wow. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know where to start here. Uh, Mike and I have known each other since we were probably about three years old. At least that's what we can remember. Uh, grew up in the church together, uh, just been best friends ever since. And
0: what's your What are your early memories? What's your <sighs> earliest memory of Mike?
3: My earliest memory of Mike is a picture I have of Mike at my birthday party when I was like six years old. Um, I mean, we did everything together from you know, playing in the backyard, playing basketball. Uh, Mike was the better basketball player than me. That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> I, I will I will admit that. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward, you know, uh, 20 years, Mike goes to St. Thomas. I go to Gustavus. I had the pleasure to meet Jazz through Mike at St. Thomas, and that kind of kicked everything off. You know, we all went our separate ways after college and started our respective careers, but. Somehow we found we found a way back to each other. So.
0: Yeah. Did you, so so you so jazz you came into the picture in college. That's right. And you and Mike were friends in college.
1: Yeah. So Mike and I got to know each other when I was a sophomore. He was a freshman uh, at St. Thomas. We both I was going to say played on the football team, but we didn't. We were on the bench. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but we were on the team together. Yeah, that's uh, what counts. And in fact, Andre left this part out. I was one of the hosts that hosted him on his recruiting visit to Saint Thomas when I was a freshman and he was a senior in high school. Wow. Evidently, I didn't do a good job because he ultimately <laughs> went. <so> he went <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, did but, you
0: play football too? I did at Gustavus. Yeah. Wow. He okay. actually played. <laughs> he, he Actually, actually played. <laughs> played. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so you get basketball. You get football. Yeah. That's how this goes. So, did the three of you start hanging out, or did you all kind of go into your careers and and lose touch for a little while?
2: Yeah, J- J- Dre and I have been close from from day one, but Jazz and I got really close at Saint Thomas.
0: Like, mm-hmm.
2: You know, we did the whole college thing where we we went out and we had a good time together. But but ultimately, I think our relationship stayed close because we would send each other funny <laughs> memes and text messages. Yeah. Every, I don't think jazz. I still don't think you've missed a birthday for me. Yeah, no, and, that's and, right. And so we've been close, and and when we got the, when we realized that this is what we wanted to do, you know, jazz was so integral in helping to craft what is Turn Signal today, and it's just been a, a fun ride ever since.
0: Did any of you think about being? entrepreneurial had you had you ever started something did you have ideas before this
3: yeah I mean I think Mike and I always had in the back of our mind that we'd do something some type of business didn't know what it would look like we actually started a nonprofit right before turn signal that was geared more towards helping kids explore entrepreneurship and mm. That has since kind of folded uh, just due to what we're doing here at Turn Signal. You're a little busy. uh, I never imagined what we're doing today and the impact that it can have. It's just uh, incredible. It it,
1: it makes waking up every day easy. I'm not shy about saying that I had no thought of entrepreneurship from from day one. I thought I was going to do the corporate law thing Mm -hmm. for my entire career. Maybe I was an adjunct professor at Mitchell Hamlin School of Law. I thought maybe I'd go into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what Happened when Dre and Mike first called uh, was I saw the the need and I wanted to do that and it's funny now I don't know <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to go back into a corporate job yeah. I think I'll be in this entrepreneurial space for the rest of my life I really enjoy it
0: so talk to me about that call let 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 us set the scene um, it had it had been a, a difficult period of time in the Twin Cities in the nation was also COVID, pandemic. We'd had a series of, of shootings. Was it after um, Philando or was it after George Floyd that you guys started talking?
2: So Dre and I, we grew up in, in St. Paul. We do we the Castile family. Andre went to the same elementary school that, that Philando was working at at the time of his death. And, and so that was the first time where we said, okay, what can we do? I actually think I remember reaching out to a member of, of, of Philando's family and saying, we want to put together like a, a, a barbecue or do something for the community. And they're saying, you know, you know what? It's okay. We, we got it. We got it. Um, so fast forward to 2020 and when George Floyd lost his life, enough was enough. And we, we just said, okay, we can go back and do the, the corporate gig. Like, but now's the time for us to take action. And, I I remember Dre and I just kind of sitting back and saying, okay, what can we do? What can we do? Hmm. And actually, when we first started, we were thinking, oh, maybe we just connected to like a person. And then that's when Jazz came in. It's like, no, like this has to be an attorney. It has to be the right attorney. We, we can't just have a, a corporate counsel answering the call. We need to have someone there that understands the intricacies of traffic stops.
0: So, okay. So, so you're... First of all, talk to me just a minute. I mean, I remember where I was when I first heard the story breaking about George Floyd and it was starting to, you know, and just kind of trying to make sense of what was going on and what had happened and the horrific video. What was it like for the three of you?
1: Um, I'll never forget. I was laying in my bed. uh, I had just woken up. I was, my wife was next to me and I opened the and I saw the video. I don't know what, what social media folks yeah. posted it. And I immediately posted and I, it was just, it was an Instagram story I posted. And it was just a long rant about like how frustrated I was around this specific type of, of interaction that could happen. And I think everyone, it was 2020, everyone was in their homes. It was, it was a I I think George Floyd was a, uh, part of the reason it grew so much was because it was in the middle of a pandemic as right. well. We were all home. And I just started receiving calls as a black lawyer in the Twin Cities from so many folks. Hey, can you be on this panel? Hey, can you be on this one? Can you hmm. speak about uh, diversity that isn't present in the city of Minneapolis or the lack of black attorneys or, or the the educational gap for for people of color, especially young black men in the city compared to their counterparts? So many panels. And I've been on- How did on, you
0: feel about that?
1: Uh, so I was also the director. I was, so I was a practicing attorney. Yeah. I was an a, a adjunct professor. And I was- the director of diversity and inclusion of my law firm, which was 300 and so folks across 15 states. So it was a little bit a part of the work I'd already done. Sure. And being on the panels, I think, especially during that time, this is my own Jazz Hampton's personal opinion. I think people more than ever were really actually longing for answers in an authentic way mm-hmm. in that moment. Absolutely. That was what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in return, I felt like my answers were uh, lacking substance in the sense of what I was actually doing. Sure, I can be on these panels, but that isn't enough. Um, the I don't know, and maybe five years from now, I'll feel differently or attribute a different word, but I felt guilt. I, I was a black lawyer in this city and someone said, well, what do you do for work? And then I said, I represent large companies when they're sued in their litigation needs. I had so many more opportunities to use this degree and, and my computer science degree in a way that could help people, and mm-hmm. I wasn't. Uh, And so I I felt hollow on some of those panels and boards. And that's why when Dre and Mike called me, I was like, we we have to do this. Uh, And and my wife, I went to my wife and she was like, we had just moved to a different house in Minneapolis. And I was like, can I quit my job? And she was without hesitation. She was like, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Like, go go do this. Um
0: so. I wanna hear about the call, but I but uh Dre and, and Mike, do either of you have recollections of just what the raw feelings were like when when you saw the video or heard about the, the, the murder of George Floyd.
3: Yeah, I mean kind of like how I feel right now, just lost for words. I mean it was unsettling. It was you know, there's so many things that go through your mind around You know, you being a black man as well and and wondering, you know, that could have been me or like maybe I was in uh, could have been in a space where I was there at the wrong time. And just really trying to figure out how do we cultivate a culture where black people are accepted and for who they are and and really being able to cultivate a culture where police and and people that look like myself can interact and it be de-escalated and calm. And you know that really is what sparked turn signal. It was. It's what. It's at the core of why we do this. It's not, you know, uh, we we don't want police to get home safely either. Like we want everyone to get home safe. And right. and uh, you know, I just remember feeling so sad about it because it really felt like I was reliving flandall all over again. And you know, that was one instance that was so close to me. It felt close to me because I knew that family. Sure. So in that moment, seeing what happened to George Floyd and um, thinking back on like some of my encounters with the Castile family and and just like seeing how they were feeling in that time, you know, it really set my mind thinking and wondering how George Floyd's family's feeling and how can I uh, mitigate any family ever feeling like that again.
0: Mm -hmm. So Mike, when you and Andre talked, was it right away Okay what we got to do something and and did you were you already thinking about the idea how how quickly did, did did the idea for the you know the early idea for turn signal form
2: I mean the 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 turnaround time was actually relatively quick there was a lot of like hopelessness and despair and so like the action and the time for action in that window was really short for us to be able to make that decision and so I think it was brought around August of, of, of 2020, where we had a real conversation, we started calling on some close friends and advisors and they said, okay, if you wanna do this, like now's the time. And, and from there, it really just it spiraled into getting those first investment dollars in and, and starting to build out the partnerships and starting to build out the application. And everyone was behind us from, from our advisors to our friends. In fact, even our our developers said, "How can we be a part of this? Like, we just want to help because what you're building is something that is going to change lives, and and that's a that's a feel good story for us. And and I'll I'll always cherish those those early days and those early moments.
0: Mm-hmm. When when you two called Jazz, when you made that first call, and you were already kind of thinking, I got to do something.' Was it? I've got this idea. For an app, I've got a way that we could get in the car and try to prevent another one of these horrific incidents. What was it that specific, or was it just like let's do something?
2: Yeah, it was. We had a like the shell of of what is turn signals today. Okay, and and Jazz was able to say, pinpoint and say, here are some of the root causes. It's it's really just one anxiety that people are feeling during those interactions, um, and then it's just the lack of knowledge around what your rights truly are. And the best person to put in that position is an attorney. And he spoke to his own experiences as a, as a black attorney. And when he gets pulled over and how his, his education and his background has protected him. And, mm. and, and a lot of times it, it, it potentially kept him alive and able to go, go home at the end of the day. I've been pulled over 12
1: times in my life, and I'm yet to receive a ticket. I've never been cited for any moving violation whatsoever. Um, But what I always say is those interactions post becoming a lawyer have become substantially different. Uh, My wife's from a small town in Minnesota uh, called Bell Plain halfway to Mankato. Mm -hmm. I was pulled over in Bell Plain with my wife on the way to a movie after dropping our kids off at Grandpa and Grandma's. Uh, I was asked to step out of the vehicle. Uh, My wife was nervous at the time. It was winter. I wasn't wearing a coat. Um, and the officer said, "I, you know, I'm going to take you through some field sobriety tests. So I I walked the line. I did the nine point pivot turn. I followed the, the light with my eyes and uh, I followed it up and down. Um, I did. I stood on one leg. I did all of the things. And at the culmination, he said, you know, you failed the field sobriety test and I'm going to need you to give a breathalyzer now. And I said, you know, I haven't said anything up until this moment, but I am an attorney and I'd be more than happy to submit the te- to the test because I have nothing to worry about. Uh, and he said, oh, you're attorney. So you've been you've drank before you went to college. Are you feeling buzzed right now? And I said, you know, I wouldn't be able to define that word. And I wouldn't want to give additional reasonable articulate suspicion leading to further cause, probable cause. stop. Mm-hmm. But I would be more than happy to submit the test. Like I said, I did. Mm-hmm. I was fine. And the only negative outcome in that situation, other than a little mental stress there and beyond, was that I was late to the movie with my wife. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that was the exact moment when Mike and Dre called me and they said, we think we should talk to attorney where I was like, what if everyone had the privilege that I now have as a lawyer in that moment and could explain those rights and, and to, to convey them in a calm, de-escalated manner because my interactions since that time have been wildly different. Uh, but I also know what it was like when I was 17 on my way to visit the University of St. Thomas and I was pulled over and the officer told me, you know what, uh, if you're driving this car and you look like this, you'll be pulled over every time so you should slow down. <clears throat> right. So I've had those conversations as well and so it was just how can I help everyone feel safer in these moments, while also thinking of my brother who graduated from Alexandria's law enforcement program, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, a culmination of so many factors that we knew that we could be a part of a solution.
0: They've got the vision. When we get back, how they put turn signal together. Today's episode is made possible with support from Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome challenges and capitalize on opportunities. Their financial products and services are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. Here's how TurnSignal went from big idea to functioning technology. And what's ahead for this business that so far has no competition. How did you begin to actually put this thing together? Hmm. You're all on board. You've got the vision. You go out and raise some money.
1: That was how I was was almost going to ask them a question of how much of our time in the beginning do you think was dedicated to fundraising? Yeah. Because we all, I had two children at the time. The day I quit the, my job, I found out I was had my third on the way. <laughs> Mike had one. Uh, your second wasn't on the way yet. And Dre wasn't a father yet, but is now. Uh, we all had daycare and, and, and mortgages and everything. And yeah. to quit our jobs was difficult. So raising funds right away was important because... We also had to build the technology, which is not free, to say the least. And
0: did did you know, I mean, was there enough knowledge uh, among you that, that you knew what you wanted to build and how you wanted to do it?
2: Yeah, we we, we had a general idea of, like, how the app would, would work and, and what the functionality would be. And so we actually worked with a really good local shop, uh, Jed Mahonis Group, or JMG, and they said, here are the steps, right? Uh, we're gonna pull in a graphic designer. We're gonna we're gonna bring in uh, someone from our front end team and our back end team. And we went through this whole discovery process, and and it was they made it really really easy. And I think a lot of times when people think about starting businesses, there's this belief that it's it's hard and it is really hard. But there are tried and true methods to being able to do so. It's just about figuring out where to find that information, and 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 then you, the sky's the limit for you. Yeah, I also think, too,
3: like, we we both are very, or all three of us are very fortunate to have uh, really g- good networks from, you mm-hmm. know, being in corporate America, and there were so many people early on that were willing to lend a hand, whether it was introducing investors, introducing businesses, lending a hand for people that have already been in entrepreneurship and what the road was going to look like. I mean, it, it's just incredible how many people are so willing to just kind of uh, throw themselves out there and help us along the way of our journey.
0: Any mistakes? Did you make any mistakes early on? Oh yeah, many. absolutely, many. <laughs> what 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 haunts you? What do you what do you think about still?
1: Um, you know, I think in hindsight's twenty twenty, and you never know how much how long a dollar is going to last. Uh, but we have brought on some incredible team members, and it, we waited a long time to hire people uh, because you know, first of all, we had something really good. It was us three, and we had a really solid team. Uh, and so, and we didn't know how long each dollar was going to last. So we were scared about bringing someone else in. Mm. But as soon as we did, when I think about running this organization without Cree, without Damien, without uh, <laughs> Doug, without so many people. You, you have
0: 12, you have a staff of 12 now. That's in right. In addition to the three of you.
1: Yeah. And so I think that was one of the things I would look back on and, and change is bringing someone in sooner because every, every set of hands help. And and in an organization of our size, everyone does everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was really helpful, but I would, I'd love to actually hear what drain Mike, (laughs) what, what things you would have changed. I think moving faster. I think
3: there's this ideation of wanting to things to be perfect. Like you want the app to be perfect from day one. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I think the greatest advice we got early on was someone said, if you look at your first product your product and you can't laugh at it then you did it wrong
2: because
3: hmm. we certainly look back at our first product and we laugh at it now <laughs> um, but yeah I think if we could have moved faster there's just lots of opportunities that we missed but we also hit on a lot of opportunities too so it's, it's kind of that that game you play of uh, of juggling like how fast do you move what is the market telling you mm-hmm. just really trying to understand you know what the consumers need
0: sure hmm.
2: Yeah, and that the, that actually leads me to think of like one specific instance where, you know, we sometimes, and, and I think these guys will agree, all of us think that we, we have all the right answers. And a lot of times we are spot on, but not going out there and getting that additional guidance and taking in additional viewpoints early on uh, uh, slowed us down a little bit. But now I I would even venture to say we may have too many advisors now um <laughs> yeah, we, but but, but they're but they're great, but they're great and it and it really just opens our eyes up to where are the additional uh deviations from the road, where are the landmines at to 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 help you guys avoid that up front because we already went through it, right, and so uh having those advisors there now has just been tremendous for us as we as we continue to grow.
0: You when you think about it, I mean you this has all happened so quickly, really. I mean even you, you launched in 2021. Um how different is the app today from what you first launched?
1: Uh I think the biggest difference that we talk about is, you know, when we launched in May of 2021, we were just a consumer product. We knew that it wasn't going to stay that way. Uh, But to to Dre's point, we had to we had to move fast and make sure that we weren't laughing or that we were laughing at the original (laughs) version, because now turn signals offered as a benefit to employers and all of their employees. Right. So right now, today, if you work at the YWCA, uh, United Way, Twin Cities, or so many other companies in the Twin Cities and beyond now, you're provided turn signals a benefit, just like you receive health and dental benefits. Right. Hmm. Really showing that they care about the holistic person that is their employee. We knew that I was going to be that way from day one. That was one of the first things I said to Mike. But that has been one of the largest changes. And then, of course, our footprint going from being in one state to, to so many that we're in today, dozens of states now. So I'd say those are the, the two biggest changes is that, that business offering and our footprint.
0: What about the functionality of the actual app and the actual interaction? And is that pretty much exactly as you had imagined it from the beginning?
2: Yeah, the 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 core of what we built is is relatively untouched. One change that we actually caught early on was the the we wanted it to be like a rolodex, so you press a button and it calls one attorney. Oh, they don't answer. It'll go on to the next one. Well, we said through our conversations with 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 law enforcement, they're like, we don't want to get up to the window and, and say, hold on, wait one second, while I get my attorney on. So we actually call every attorney on the platform at the same time. Mm. And and again, as we think about. Uh, and, uh, protecting rights, de-escalating, that de-escalation piece, having that input from law enforcement has been really integral, and it's a great story for us to tell, to say, hey, the de-escalation starts at the beginning. It starts with how fast that that call can be answered when they press that button.
0: So it, so the, the app knows it's just whoever answers it first gets that call.
1: In the Yeah, but it's always an attorney that practices the law in the state that you're currently driving.
0: How many attorneys are on the platform?
1: You know, it, we had, it took us quite some time. It's a really arduous process to get attorneys on the platform, at least in the way we do it, because we're doing uh, background checks on these folks. We're, we're making sure they practice the right type of law. We're then making sure that they complete the de-escalation training that's being provided. That whole thing takes some time. So it took us a year and a half to be to break 100 attorneys, I remember, or something like that. Uh, and in the month of November, we added 50. Hmm. So we, we cracked the code. And now I think, you know, well over well over that mark now.
0: Are they volunteers? Are they being paid? Why are they doing this?
1: I, I always say there's three reasons attorneys are on our platform. One, altruistic reasons. They're like me in 2020 saying, well, what am I actually doing? Right. And they can just answer the phone and help someone out in the blink of an eye. There's never been an on demand legal. There's never been telelegal like there is telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now they can do that. So that's reason number one. The second is brand building. They're saying to to folks in the in their community that this is the type of attorney that I am. Whether you you, you reach me through TurnSignal or otherwise, you know the type of attorney I am. And the third one is just finding new clients. They answer a call and they're like, wow, I've never talked to an attorney because there's a huge access to Justice Gap, which I won't get into. I've never talked to an attorney and my nephew needs one today. We Dre and I just received an email this morning saying, hey, I just need an attorney. Can you all help me with that? So that's the third reason. This is a a chance for them to reach more and more folks that otherwise they wouldn't have. So attorneys are doing it. The the vast majority of our attorneys, uh, we aren't paying. And by vast majority, I mean over ninety percent. Hmm. Uh, we are not paying to be on our platform.
0: And how do you make sure that somebody is always going to answer? I mean, because I, I have to imagine that a lot of the calls come at off hours.
1: I, I'll let Mike answer the the first the first half, but I'll start with the back half. And that was our assumption too that they come at all hours. And they actually come just like traffic does. Most of the calls come during morning rush hour or evening return home. It's not late at night. And maybe statistically, that's because less and less people are on the road at that time. But the super majority of our calls are during what some would call normal
2: business hours from like the 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. kind
0: Hmm. of hours. Interesting.
2: Yeah. So we get that question around like, how do you make sure that at two in the morning, someone's going to be there? And, And the answer to that is, in every state that we're in, we have an attorney that we've contracted with as a, a full-time backstop. So whether it's 2 in the morning, uh, uh, you know, 9 p.m., and they're watching their favorite Netflix show, like they drop what they're doing, and they're there. But we backfill that with all of the amazing attorneys that are either paying us uh, to be on that platform for all the reasons that Jazz mentioned.
0: Hmm. So some of the attorneys are paying you absolutely to be part of it. Yeah.
2: So we built this as a dual-sided
1: marketplace from from the beginning.
0: You 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 had that vision. That was it, early.
1: I I think the first probably eighty or ninety attorneys were paying attorneys. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. I didn't realize that part. Um. So is there a is there a case study that stands out to you? Is there a a story that's come through Turn Signal where it worked exactly as you had envisioned this?
1: Uh, My favorite is Harold, who was actually a Minnesota driver. So Harold was driving. I'll try to (laughs) keep this one short. So Harold was driving. It was late at night. It was actually closer to, I think, uh, it was after midnight. And Harold was pulled over, did not have an active driver's license. He was a paraplegic, so his vehicle needed additional help to be operated in a a typical fashion, uh, aftermarket work. And he was driving, and the officer came up. And when he pressed the button, he said, listen, I am really scared and I don't know what to do in this moment. I just want someone here to help out. Uh, The officer came and bent down and looked down and said, can you turn off your phone? And the attorney said, I'm an attorney with turn signal. Are you familiar with our service? Uh, We actively work and and inform police officers of our work. And so the officer said, "Okay, good. You can leave it on then. And then proceeded with the stop, asked to search the vehicle. And Harold said, you know, if you don't have probable cause, I wouldn't be very comfortable with it. Um, And it was an incredibly cordial interaction. And at the culmination, the officer said, you know what, your license is suspended right now and you can't drive. But why don't you move to the passenger seat and your passenger get in the driver's seat and you guys go home without ticket or incident. But what happened in between those two conversations was Harold turning to the passenger in his seat and saying, can you call my daughter and let her know that her dad's going to be in jail in the morning? Because I don't want her to worry about where I am when she wakes up in the morning. Mm. And so from that interaction, He was that scared and worried because he was driving without a a valid license. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of it, he was at home with his daughter, safe and sound, right? Mm. And so that is the type of moment that when we all quit our jobs in the middle of a pandemic, that was what we were trying to build and, and to build for. So people like Harold don't have to have that fear when they're in that moment or at least can have a sense of security. When I was a public defender, I knew that my presence next to that person when they woke up in the morning made them feel better. Yeah, And now we can provide that to everyone when they're on the road every yeah. day. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. And one of the things in use cases, this actually happened after NBC Nightly News, where I think we got hundreds of phone calls.
0: Were, like, you, were you prepared? Did you have enough warning <laughs> that when that segment was going to air that you could be staffed up
2: so so yeah we got tons of calls through the app but actually through our 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 turn signal kind of headquarter phone hundreds of messages and we went through all of those messages but what the one that stuck out to me the most was this grandmother out of Georgia and so she was in rural Georgia and she says hey I have three grandsons they're all driving and I'm scared to death that they're not going to come home if they ever get pulled over I am so thankful for you guys to be here and have this app and just understanding that all of those calls had some flavor, some variation of just that story mm-hmm. tells me that what we're doing is 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 important and is special and it, it literally drives us to continue to keep pushing on and making sure that we can one get in all 50 or 50 states and and expand this thing uh to who knows where.
0: Have you had any resistance from police departments?
1: From no. law enforcement? No, we've never, uh, a driver, all of the officers are trained on, or the attorneys are trained on how to interact with an officer or what to say if in those moments if it's escalating. But we're thankful that it hasn't happened yet. Not to say that it never will, nor have we had pushback from law enforcement just about the platform in general. We're pretty active about reaching out to law enforcement agencies and jurisdictions as we roll into them. Because what we want them to know is we're here to ensure that you all are getting home safe too. And that the letter of the law is followed. Turn signal isn't a get out of jail free or a no ticket platform. If you're driving 85 and a 55, here's your ticket. There's nothing that any attorney right. can do for you right. in that situation. Right. But we're just here to make sure that it follows the lines of, of the law that it should. And that means if that officer can legally search your car, the attorney is going to say, yeah, driver, you, you need to step out. And, don't, and if you have fear around that, don't worry, I can help you on the back end. But let's make sure that we're following the law and getting you home safe because of that we we haven't seen any pushback from law enforcement and and any law enforcement that has questions about it, I always say they can hang a picture of my face with my cell phone number in their department <laughs> and they can call me and I'd, and I'd be more than happy to have the conversation.
0: Get those printed up all around <laughs> America. Um, in addition to meeting the, the mission that you originally set out to do, getting people home safely, haven't you found some other, haven't there been some other uses for the app that you weren't expecting or just sort of realizations that you didn't even see?
3: Yeah, I mean, we don't talk about this enough—the accident piece. So, you know, on the, we talk a lot about the traffic stop and what happens when you get pulled over, but the same use case is there if you're in an accident. So, if you're 16 year old driver and you've never been in an accident, and you get in one, you can hit hit the button or say, "Hey Siri, Hey Google, I'm being, uh, I'm, I'm in, an, I've been in an accident, and it'll connect you to a PI attorney." Really, I think that we've found use cases where this can help all people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really, I really think that we've tried to take the utilitarian approach to this, this business, and I, it's it's awesome to see where we're going. And I think there's future iterations of turn signal that are going to come down the line here soon
1: that's right my dad has used turn signal when he's in an accident which is ironic really? because he used to call me like he used to call my cell phone and i'm like i'm like call, call one of our attorneys yeah and so my dad pressed the button when he was rear-ended in in his pickup truck and you could ask i encourage anyone listening or or anyone uh that thinks of turn signal Ask someone around them, what do you do the second you get in an accident? I guarantee one of them calls a loved one within the first two minutes Mm -hmm. and that loved one is working, uh, they're too busy or they don't know what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Let's circumvent that and go directly to an attorney that can walk you through exactly what you should do in that moment so that whatever the outcome is, isn't something really bad that otherwise wouldn't have happened had you not talked to the one right away.
0: So, as you see how your users are using the app, are you developing new features? Are there other extensions?
2: Yeah, there, there's definitely opportunities to expand turn signal outside of the vehicle, um, and and you know we just had to figure out what's the best way because if we're going to serve a market, we want to serve it to, the, to its fullest extent, and really that's our responsibility as a as a business, as a startup, um, and so you know definitely you'll see us outside of the vehicle but there're going to be some opportunities for us to be further integrated into the vehicle and i think that's a natural progression for us
0: hmm one day it'll just be part of your car
2: i yeah we're and we're already having conversations with
1: literal all of the OEM manufacturers about that wow we've been meeting with them one of them is a lot further than the others <laughs> um Hopefully, the next time we're on this podcast, we'll be announcing that partnership, which I think is tied up in legal right now. Okay. I wish I can get because I'm one of those guys that used to tie up those contracts. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, super exciting. Yeah, um, Very cool. It's, we, our, our viewpoint, and Andre really stated it really well, is you, you, people say, what do you want to do with this? It, it's a utilitarian viewpoint. I want to ensure that in the same way someone says, oh, I went out to dinner last night with my wife and we Ubered home. I want people to say, oh, let's pull over, but I use turn signal in the same way that everyone will understand it because everyone's using it. That's what we want. So if that means we're integrated into every vehicle or we're integrated into other apps and platforms, whatever it takes, we just need to get it to those people. That's also why if you make under $40,000, it's completely free to you and we'll never charge you a penny ever in your life.
0: Okay. I'm glad you brought up money because I felt a little icky yeah. about going there no. because obviously <laughs> there's a higher mission, but you are a business. This is right. not a nonprofit. So Talk about how. First of all, are you profitable yet?
1: So we've been bringing in revenue every day since, and I should let Andre answer that question first. Maybe
3: <laughs> not quite.
1: Yeah, we're, we're getting there though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, I think that
3: we, you know, Jazz talked a little bit about how we started out in the consumer marketplace, and uh, you know, every the consumer behaviors are just hard to track. Everyone, it doesn't look the same in St. Paul. It doesn't look the same in Minneapolis. Get alone across the country, right? So, we really made that push to move to the B two B space and provide it to employees, and we've seen an uptick in that. And I I think that we'll be profitable by by sometime in twenty twenty four. I really do, especially with our nationwide rollout.
0: Can you talk about the revenue streams for a minute? So, how does so when when you partner with a business, they pay f- you for all of their employees to be on it versus. As an individual consumer, what does it cost me to to download the app?
1: Yeah, it's sixty dollars a year, whether you're pulled over a hundred times or once. It's it's like Netflix; you pay the same no matter how many times you use it. Okay. So that's the the consumer price.
0: Okay. So then, obviously, there's the business price, and then and there's the lawyers. Am I missing is, are those the main revenue streams?
2: Yeah, the, those are the the main three, and we we explore other. Uh, revenue opportunities. And I'm going to give a shout out to, to Damien on our team. Damien is like a mad scientist. And so he's, <laughs> he figures out, you know, where, where we can find the next big opportunity or the big dollar. So he's working on some things, but as businesses are bringing this on, it's really as an employer sponsored or a subsidized benefit. So like you get Health, dental, pet insurance. Mm-hmm. Why not offer something that's going to make sure that your employees feel safe going to and from work, or they're taking their their kids to a dance recital on the weekends? And and that message has really resonated, specifically after, after 2020 and and what happened to, to George Floyd. We saw the 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 statements, we saw the black squares. But here's a real tangible solution that you can roll out to make sure that the safety and security of your employees is 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 there.
0: Uh, right.
2: Outside of the workplace.
0: Is anyone trying to compete with you guys?
1: We don't have, I don't think there's another platform that connects you to an attorney when you're pulled over. I think, you know, if that's there's not to sound like a lawyer, but, you know, are you competing with a sandwich shop if you serve hot dogs? Is that a sandwich? Right. But so if our definition of our business is connecting you to a lawyer when you're pulled over or instantly on command on a video conference, Mm -hmm. no one else does that, at least to to my knowledge, um, especially at a scale of 25 states. But we know that if someone does, that it's validating the market. And at the end of the day, I I do always say that, you know, if we're trying to get everyone home safely, however we can do that, I'm, I'm really happy with that as well.
0: Do you you you've been live The the app has been live for what a a little over a year. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the streets are safer with turn signal working?
1: You know, and maybe my answer is anecdotal, but we've just seen it. We see the emails coming in from a black mother in Brooklyn Center that said, hey, I was just going to pick up my kids and nothing happened. But and she said, in fact, I got a ticket. But I just felt so much safer with the person in my passenger seat. Hmm. I think they are safer just like uh it's a behavior changer and it's a knowledge changer i don't talk about my friends landscaping as much when i walk up and press a ring doorbell because it changed my behavior and i think that turn signal has done that as well and you know whether it's the hardest day or the best day at turn signal that's what keeps a smile on my face
2: every day no matter what
0: anything you guys want to add Do you think the streets are safer do you feel like you've you're doing it
2: we're we're doing it we're definitely doing it and 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 so when that button's pressed, the only person that has access to that video is the driver. Not turn signal, not the attorney, it's just the driver and why that's important. So how do we get feedback? We actually send out a survey. So whenever anyone gets pulled over or in an accident, we say, how was the stop? How was your attorney? How did you feel during that interaction? And the overwhelming consensus is that they felt safer during that interaction by having turn signal on their phones. And mm-hmm. so I know that the work that we're doing is really not only making the, the, the streets safer, but really just making people feel better about traveling from, from place to place. Yeah. I mean, I feel safer. Mm.
3: I, really? Exactly. Mm. I drive from Minneapolis to Buffalo every day. Yeah. I have been pulled over numerous times driving to Buffalo, uh, between Medina and, uh, Cochran and, it's unsettling, but now that I know that I have an attorney on call, because mm-hmm. I don't know all my rights, I'm learning them. Now that I work for <laughs> Turn Signal, yeah, <laughs> and I have Jazz here, <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel safer, and I and I hope that you know our fellow you know I want to say Minnesotans, but we're everywhere now, so citizens across the U.S. feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I, I truly think that it's just awareness. And the first time that they use that use Turn Signal. I've, I truly, truly do believe that they will feel the same way. They'll feel safer. They'll they'll have that peace of mind. And at the end of the day, they're going to get home safely. Yeah. And, I, and I believe that.
4: The
0: it, It's amazing what you've accomplished in such a short time. And I know, you know, I joked at the beginning about, you know, the attention because obviously you've had an overwhelming amount of um, accolades, all deserved, you know, f- from awards from the Minnesota Cup to you know, in, interviews on, on national television. How are you balancing all of that? It's like, you know, you became rock stars overnight in addition to building a business, which is, a, you know, around-the-clock job. How how are you all balancing all of it and feeling about it?
1: I think Andre and, and Mike will have different responses and they're laughing because, unfortunately, that same picture of me is, <laughs> is used a little too much. Uh, <laughs> but... I think, to me, it's keeping an eye on on the prize, right? Not to make too many sports analogies, but it's great to win Rookie of the Year, but we want to win championships. And like that's keeping everyone safe every day, and we aren't there yet because we're in 25 states. And when I get to those 25 states, it's going to be Canada. And when we get to Canada, it's going to be the U.K. Until everyone can have that peace of mind. And when we do all of that, it's going to be outside of the vehicle. It's going to be the Breonna Taylors of the world that are having a warrant served on their house. It's going to be all of those other situations it's it's really great to know that we had a good rookie season but we have a really long career ahead mm. of us and and we know that there's a lot more uh opportunity uh in the road ahead of
0: us guys do, do you have to ever like bring jazz down a, a <laughs> oh, or two? Come on, oh, uh, <laughs> almost, almost every day uh,
2: I'm like, do we need to get you a, another hat size because your head's getting a little bit too big. No, Jazz Jazz is is has been so humble through this entire experience and, and it's it's never just about jazz. It's always about turn signal. And so that piece is I think what keeps our company culture fresh and that people bought into what we're doing and you know, people flying into to work for us now. It's mm. it's it's a testament to what the culture is that we're building here when there's tons of distractions mm-hmm. everywhere. But we still try to stay locked in on, on the things that are important. And, and I want to add to that.
1: And this is my way of falling back a compliment to my two co-founders that you asked a lot about that first call. The very first call. I'm trying not to get emotional. The very first call, they said, Jazz, we want you to be the CEO. They had already been having these conversations with the advisors and the people helping them around the idea and what it would look like. And their first call to me after already having conversations and having the, the, the structure of the idea was, Jazz, we want you to be the CEO. I think it speaks volumes to their ability to say, we're here for the solution, not for the limelight hmm. and for the acolytes. They're both going to have incredible careers, whatever they do after this. But I think that's really important to speak to because people think that like we stumbled into this. It was intentional by them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to
0: do. Andre, why'd you want him to be the CEO?
1: Because I don't like doing
3: podcasts. (laughs) No, no, in in all seriousness, um, he's just the right person to do it. I can, you know, he's humble, uh, he's smart, he, he articulates his thoughts very well. He knows the law. I mean, I can go on and on and on about why he should do it. But even beyond that, just the way he carries himself. You know, he carries himself as a professional every single day. Our employees see that. You know, a lot of times Jazz is seen being the last person leaving the office. What CEO does that? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: You know, that's the standard that he sets for our company. And Mike and I already knew that he would do that. That's why he's the the perfect person for the job, period.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Do you three see yourselves at turn signal five 10 years from now what what's going to happen with this company Gosh. what's next for all of you
2: i'm really interested to hear what they have to
0: say I, about yeah this i was uh, um
1: <laughs> i and i've said i literally said this this morning i've said it a lot recently and i don't know why my biggest fear from a work perspective my biggest fear in life right now or the the thing that makes me most sad is like i know that i'll never love a job as much as i do my current one right hmm. so that's something I try not to even think about too much because I want to, you know, uh, you know, you, you don't realize you're in the good old days until you're not in them anymore. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm in them. So it's hard for me to think about the future. But so I want this feeling to last for as long as it can, whether it's five years from now or 10 years from now, or um, if some company buys us to spread us to the whole world within a year, whatever that case may be. I just want to be in this feeling as long as possible.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll only be able to take it so far. and. If there's a point in time where someone can take this further than we are, than we than we have, then I'm here for it because I know that's just going to make sure that more people are, are feeling safe and comfortable as they're on the road. Mm-hmm. Andre? Wow, five years.
3: I can't even think about tomorrow. <laughs> 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 um, honestly, I just, I can echo a lot of the things that they just said. You know, really, we want this in the hands of all people. And whatever has to happen to make that happen, mm-hmm. we're open to it. And, you know, five years from now, I do think that, you know, a Google or uh, someone like that that has maps integration already will come and take this and, and be able to get it into the hands of every single person across the globe. Yeah. United Healthcare. I hope you heard that. <laughs> uh,
0: Thompson <laughs> Reuters. They all listen. Yeah. That's whisper and Yeah. yeah. If you whisper, it will happen.
1: Yeah, let's just feel the dreams moment.
0: And what um, what are the questions? And what does it feel like to know that you are becoming or have already become role models, not just in this space, but for other Black men, for other founders of of color? We know there are still enormous disadvantages for founders of color, for women founders. It's mm. it's amazing as much focus as there's been in the last couple of years, the numbers speak volumes. We're not exactly at gender or racial equity yet. So what do you tell other founders?
2: It's just just get started and, and ask the questions, be open to advice, and really just, just let that sink in. Because you might think you have the right idea but if you just tweak it a little bit it could be just it could be better and so you know a lot of the work that that i do outside of this is around mentoring specifically young black men and and not only leading by example but giving them again that guidance that that tribal knowledge that's been passed on to me i want to pass that on to to, to them and so you know for any person of color a young black man, like, reach out to me, Mm. connect with me. I want to help, and I'll I'll be there for you because I know how hard it was to get to where we are today and to be on this amazing, (laughs) by all means,
0: podcast. Yeah, did you hear that, Lester Holt? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh,
2: And
1: my answer would be similar, and I would reiterate that Mike and Dre doing amazing. Literally before we came here, did I not? I called you mentor Mike before we left to come here because Mike is a mentor to so many folks. Andre, in his ample spare time, is also the head football coach at a St. At a Paul school what? for a football team. So, like, That's
0: even further from Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have a little hotel in the in, in the Twin <laughs> <Yeah>, Cities. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you yeah. need one. Yeah, <laughs> um, so they both do incredible work mentoring, and and that's something I w- try to emulate and, and and to copy after them because, especially in the Black community, both of them do such an incredible job. Because there is a, you have to send send the elevator back down, and you you hit on it well. One percent of the funding went to Black founders last year. Yep it's staggering and the numbers aren't getting better. Uh, they aren't getting better in, in graduation rates in the state of Minnesota for people of color. There's so many opportunities to to look towards, to to be a mentor. And I think that's what we're trying to do as well.
0: Yeah. What do you, realistically, knowing how long it takes to really make change, but knowing what you've already pulled off, what do you hope the world or this community is going to be like for your kids when they're you know, 18, 20, how different will it be?
1: My dad tells stories about growing up and daring his siblings and himself. He's one of 13 daring each other to drink from the white only water fountain. Like that's stories that my dad had. I mean, my stories are going to be the stories of Philando Castile and George Floyd and and Dante Wright and beyond What I'm hoping is that my kids won't have stories like that. We aren't, turn signal isn't the the thing to solve all of those issues, but we have to be a piece of that larger mosaic. We've been hoping that, you know, disproportionate disparities would go away for quite some time. So I'm going to set the same goal that everyone else has and from 1956 work and beyond to today, that those disparities won't be present when my kids are my age.
0: Yeah. Mike?
2: Oh, that's a... I love that question because I have two beautiful daughters. And, you know, what I'd hope is I just want to make sure that I give the best opportunity for them to succeed. and, And, you know, while I know that we can't solve all the problems, and honestly, there's problems that are so deeply rooted in society... Sometimes you think about that and it's it's overwhelming, but I, I am hopeful that there are other folks out there doing work similar to uh, Andre, Jazz, and myself that can make that world just a little bit better, mm-hmm. just a little bit better, uh, you know, brick by brick, one day at a time. We can throw out all those analogies, um, just leave the world a better place.
0: Yeah. I think it's fitting that Andre has the final word. Wow. <laughs> The man of few words.
3: You know, I always talk about perspective. Um, I hope that when Amari, my eight-month-old, becomes an adult, that we live in a society where more people are open to perspective. Because I think that everyone wants to be right, and I think that's a lot of the overarching issues that kind of haunt our society. And I think just... Being open in perspective, and and everyone has a different cultural upbringing, and I think that that's what makes Turn Signal successful, because we're bringing communities across the world that culturally look different, from you know the soccer mom in Edina to the person down in Alabama. I mean. The the cultures just look different, and I think that Turnstone provides that perspective on accountability and 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 uh, the want that everyone has, and that's to get home safe. Mm-hmm. So if we can lead with perspective, I think I think we'll be in a better place.
0: I love it, you guys. What a privilege! Thank you for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. It's really really remarkable.
1: Thank you. And yeah, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. I hope
0: it. you all get home safe. Yes. And uh, thanks for chatting on By All Means.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sally.
0: What an incredible story. Jazz, Michael, and Andre, so compelling, and the work they're doing, so important. It'd be easy to get caught up in just the mission, but to really execute it and to make a difference, they've got to also think about the business. So let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, where Shanita White is the Associate Dean. We are so thrilled to have you here with us
4: today, Shanita. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Allison. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Now, I know you know these guys, they're very compelling, they're big personalities, and their story is amazing. But they also have done a really great job of setting up this business to succeed and make money. And those two things aren't at odds. Can you talk a little bit about social entrepreneurship? Yes, absolutely.
4: I think they embody everything that we want to teach our students about being social entrepreneurs, where they had a passion, they had a vision. They saw the need in the community and they wanted to be a part of improving the world around them. But then they also realized that they needed to create a viable business in order to have the amount of impact that they wanted to have. They needed to make sure that their business was sustainable and that it was scalable. And those are all the things that we teach about social entrepreneurship. And they they they, they embodied what we like to say, you know, using business as a vehicle for social change, I think, turn signal is that it, everything that we teach about social yeah. entrepreneurship.
0: I love that. Can we talk about just a couple of things that you think they they've done well? Let's start with the partnership.
4: Yes, developing strategic partnerships was I think just pivotal for them as I, you know, listen to the interview as I've talked to Jazz in realizing where you had the visionary, where you had Dre and Michael and then they said, "Well, we need to bring on that attorney and they and they thought of their friend Jazz immediately." to make this a viable business that's really going to have the impact that we want it to have. So those strategic partnerships, also how they found the developers, right? Because you have an attorney, you have these visionaries, you have some corporate people. However, they didn't have the technical skills they, they needed to actually bring this to life. They kind of knew they wanted an app, but needed to do that. And, and they mentioned how they wanted to move a little bit faster with that. But those partnerships and then the network that they were able to lean on so fast I think really helped to catapult them to where they are today.
0: And then also, I mean, they're in a different place today than I think they perhaps expected to be when they first launched and they've really found this big opportunity with B2B.
4: Yeah, they, they talked a lot about um, uh, how they were uh, thinking about their market, their target market, their consumer behavior, and then realized that it was really hard to track for this particular industry, for this venture that they wanted to create just really tracking, you know, how people uh are get pulled over, right, and traffic stops, and when this has happened, and things like that. And they realized they really need to move into the B 2 B space. That they needed to sell this to attorneys' offices and, and things like that. They they talked about how they did a dual sided marketplace, you know, in terms of their their revenue model. But just realizing that the difference between the customer and the consumer, right? The consumer is that person is going to use it. The customer's person is going to buy it. And so really. Thinking about that difference moved them into the B two B space, was was super smart for them.
0: Good point, and just and just tells you that even once you get off the ground, the work is just beginning. Exactly. You have to you have to watch how it's going, and you have to continue evolving and looking for new opportunities.
4: Yeah, they've been able to pivot. You know, they 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 are amazing, smart black men, two of which are St. Thomas graduates. I'll say <laughs> in there, yep. um, and um, they've been able to pivot understand their market, understand what's happening, build a really strong team around them as well of, of amazingly start smart individuals and make the shifts when they need to make the shifts. And that's that's amazing.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's such a great story and it's it's incredible to to watch it all unfold. Shanita White, Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, thank you so much for chatting with us. And thank you to our presenting partner, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship. If you want to know more about the show, go to tcbmag slash byallmeans. You can find past episodes and our conversations with professors from St. Thomas. Thanks again for listening to By All Means. teamwork to make by all means and we've got some all-stars thanks to our audio engineer tom for digital support is ricky hannigan and dan nepo thanks to the university of st thomas opus college of business and schultz school of entrepreneurship especially associate dean laura dunham for all their support our theme music is by song finch thank you for listening to by all means